Hello, 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 everybody. Hello. <laughs> uh, I'm Bucky. I'm clever. I'm sorry. <laughs> we were trying to be professional. You go, hello. What? Who said we were trying to be professional? You've been trying to get me to be more professional <laughs> for the entire run of this podcast. Hi, everybody. Um, apparently, there are a lot of folks here. Definitely more than there usually are at our streams, which is a little terrifying. Yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna wait a couple minutes for everybody to get filtered in, and then we're gonna switch over. But um, we are excited to tell you about how we class spec non homestuck things. So for this person who's worried about ho- homestuck hoarding, let me tell you that I uh, class specing non homestuck things will only worsen your problem, and I'm not sorry. Yeah, because that's it's... that's where I am mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, so a little bit of introduction. Um, before we get in, because gotta keep talking or else it's just gonna be dead air, and that seems like a little bit of a waste. Uh, oh, uh, sorry, hang on, John. <laughs> one might say that you not only cannot escape the homestuck, but you can't fight the homestuck either. Okay, can you not, please? <laughs> I, hey, some of us were 15 years old and downloaded Kylie Henke's You Can't Fight the Homestuck to their iPod when they were a sophomore in high school, and some of us got into Homestuck after that. I'm, so. Listen, I'm not judging you. I have a, and I will not name it, a Frozen fan song currently downloaded to my phone that I do sometimes listen to. <laughs> um, Valid? Uh, what model of iPod? It was an iPod, uh, no, it wasn't a Nano. Yes, it was a Nano, but it was the one before the long skinny one with the video camera. It was just the long skinny one. I had yeah. a I had a crappy little silicone rubber uh, case for it. Yeah. And Skull Candy headphones. Of course, it was Skull Candy. They were like blue and white. Skull Candy was the shit in two thousand four. Oh yeah, we're gonna be using bad bad words sometimes. Oh yeah, um, we'll, we'll get into that when we get into the stream. But for now, suffice it to say, we're adults and we are not. I'm going to try to not use bad words, but they may slip yeah. out. We're not particularly... No, modest isn't the right word. We swear a lot, is what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> Belmont, say that. I might, the, the fuck word may be employed. Um, <laughs> so, my name is Clever. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Uh, my name is Bucky. My pronouns are he, here, or they, them. Uh, we're the hosts of the podcast that this panel is basically an hour-long advertisement for. Um, and... That's all we are going to say before we get started into the panel proper. God, we are at 78 viewers. Holy shit. Damn it, we shit. missed, we missed we the good number. We missed it. We missed okay. 27s. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, if if uh, nine of you can drop the stream real quick. No, 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 number. no. Unacceptable. <laughs> Do not leave. You're trapped here now. <laughs> You're homestuck. You cannot um, leave. The double arrow is not symbolism. I just like symmetrical things, and and graphic design is my burden. The cat is currently hovering her ass above my laptop. It's not not about. quite sitting. <laughs> She's she might need to bolt at any moment, so she can't sit down. <laughs> All right, it is ten oh three. I'm gonna put the first slide of our presentation up and we give, we're going to give it two more minutes and then we're going to start. Okay. Ugh. Okay. The, uh, it's the double arrow is actually about t- 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 multi-directional narratives. There we go. All oh right. God. It's real now. Multi-directional. 
That's what a visual novel is, right? Where you get to take multiple routes and like... I've never heard that term before. No, I just pulled it out of my butt. Okay, because it does sound like complete <laughs> nonsense. I agree, Steve. Would you like some text? Good time. Good good, good time of the day. Have a... <laughs> it is morning, noon, and evening for the all The arrows were a distraction. Thank you. I, I made all of our assets... Uh, yeah, you... In Canva. You go I, ham on our production values, I gotta say. I do. Blender chat. Blender chat. No, I just like Blender chat. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I mean, the Blender branding is so good. Like, yeah. we struck gold so quickly with the branding, and we never have to change it. Blender 3D. Hmm, <laughs> there, might, there may even be something uh, later today about Blender 3D. <laughs> oh, right, you can't see me. I was... Touching my fingers We've to my dimples. We've never ever like a... had face cam on our streams. I know, but I'm a very I, <laughs> I gesticulate person. a lot. All right, it's ten oh five. Let's get Hell started. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this panel is make it homestuck, an explanation of how we apply the framework of homestuck to other pieces of media. How to quote do quote hushin quote analysis. Uh. We take a variety of media and we run it through an analysis blender. The structures of Homestuck, its characters, and elements of its world building, such as class specs and dreaming moons, are a meta framework all their own. We realized that this conceptual space, when applied to other pieces of storytelling media, guided us to a deeper understanding of works we already loved. Uh, and that basically made us say, hey, we can make a reli- I mean, a podcast out of this. Uh, so this panel is basically uh, us diving into... Uh, a little bit of how we approach our analysis, uh, things like diagnosing the Vriska, what our favorite classbacks have been, uh, and some plot beats that have happened on our podcast so far. The S in Hushin is soft, like shh. Did I say it? No, somebody in chat said they didn't think that's how Hushin was pronounced. Oh. <laughs> um, just as a heads up for the rest of this panel, we are probably going to be using some R-rated language, as we already <laughs> mentioned, and there will, of course, be spoilers for Homestuck. We're also going to spoil pretty heavily the, uh, the podcast... The Adventure Zone, specifically the Balance Arc, uh, the first season of My Hero Academia, the 2013 movie Frozen, and the first season of The Umbrella Academy. There will also be minor spoilers for Captain America the Winter Soldier, uh, the book The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss, uh, the movie, the, the 2019 movie Cats, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh... As we go through the panel, we'll be watching the chat, and we'll be looking for questions. And at certain points, uh, we will stop our kind of pre-scripted panel and take audience questions. Um, the slide deck, including sources for all the images, is posted at our website, uh, willithomestuck.carrd.co, uh, after the con is over. That out of the way, uh, how did we get here? So this podcast conceptually started back when I did a college application essay on using a class specs to analyze the hero's journey across media. I got a college scholarship for that and went to that specific college. It, it's not really important, but I wanted to mention it because it's really stupid. Yeah, see, it so is. Uh, <laughs> uh, class specs are at once a... Uh, they're a natural evolution of uh, certain science fiction and fantasy tropes, things like... Hogwarts houses or the districts from the Hunger Games books. Um, but they're also sort of an idealized version of that concept, what Optimistic Duelist calls hyperflexible mythology. Uh, they carry both narrative and character significance that other iterations of this concept, concept fall short of. 
Namely, they never give us a villain category, something like Slytherin or District 1, right? Uh, they're an extremely useful starting point for fitting different stories, like non-Homestuck stories, into a Homestuck frame. Uh, so to speak, they cut the apple so it'll fit in the blender. Classbacks also act as an in-universe lens for analyzing the story of Homestuck, so that means that we can use them as a lens to look at other stories as well. We can also apply some of the symbology and approach Andrew Hussey took in writing Homestuck to other works in what we call the Hussian analysis of a work. We don't really call it that, but it is funny. <laughs> we made the joke in the first episode, like we yeah. said, and it just kept going. Yeah. Um, I, I will see if I can dig up that essay because I haven't read it. <clears throat> I haven't read it since 2013, 2014? Yeah. Something like that. Um, so that'd be interesting. That was when I was on the Blade Kind Eyewear kick. Also, oh, yeah. Thank you, thank you Janaya. Um, uh, so here's our first little section. We're pausing to look at the chat. So if you've got any questions so far, anything you'd like to know, uh, feel free to drop that in the chat and we'll answer it. What does a Hushin analysis entail in a few words? We're actually about to get to that bit. Maybe we should uh, just jump into that. I don't know. Well, we can sum it up a little bit. Uh, it's we class back to the characters involved. Um, we assess, well, a lot about um, their behavior and the themes surrounding individual characters and their arcs. And we try to fit them into our own uh, understanding of the class system and how, what, how we think of it. Um, the hardest thing about classpecting, I think, is uh, trying to come to an agreement on it, because there's a lot of yeah. different ways to interpret this. We are The reason we say we don't have a monopoly on it is because there's a lot of different ways you can approach it. Mm -hmm. Also, I would absolutely smooch a ghost. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd smooch a ghost. Um, we will get into this a little bit later, so I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, we look at specific Homestuck characters as archetypes, and see if we can take non-Homestuck characters and fit them into those archetypes. Uh, Hush analysis wouldn't be that every character is firmly set into a fixed narrative role so much as we look at what kind of arc we're presented with in the in the length of what we go on. So, like mm -hmm. we did the first we did the first season of My Hero Academia, or we did the first book of the Patrick Rothfuss series, and we were like, all right, looking at what we were actually given, can we figure out what kind of arc the author's trying to give us? And then going off of that. Yeah, a good example would be our Spider-Verse episode where we we gave Miles, um, what did we give him? Something of breath, correct? We gave him t two. It was Blood and Heart, I think. Mo had, Mo Merck Mosick on oh, Twitter yeah, made that was, art. I think Heir of Blood? I think so. Um, but Masterclass question also, yeah. Uh, oh, Masterclass question. How would Masterclasses fit into classifying other non-homestuck characters? We have, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, we'll get into that uh, when we talk about the Umbrella Academy yeah. episode we did. Um, let's, let's talk about the yeah. analysis, I think. Uh, so, um, our next section starts us with the question... What is Hushin analysis? Yeah... <laughs> Uh, first and foremost, it's a bad joke that Bucky made in episode one that has just kind of persisted for uh, over the next over the last few months. Uh, but also, it's the broad application of Homestuck Homestuck's meta structures to other pieces of media, uh, classpecting characters more than anything else. Uh, but also things like uh, dreamer moons and lands, um, sometimes even strife specify. Uh, sprites, all these things that are diegetic to the story of Homestuck, but which also act as these thematic tools that we can use to, we can like 
excise them from the diegesis of Homestuck and put them into something else and see what themes we see when that happens. That's why we use the metaphor of the blender. What this ends up translating to is that we like seeing what happens to to class spec analysis when we talk about characters who weren't created under that iterative mix-and-match character design Homestuck began with and flourishes under. The characters in Homestuck got, um, like, they were each kind of iteratively developed from from John to Rose to Dave to Jade and then to our next group of characters, the Trolls, and so on and so forth. And when you look at characters that weren't all kind of based off of each other like that, especially in visual design, it kind of reveals stuff about how to use class spec analysis. Mm -hmm. uh, so why would we want to do this to ourselves? Uh, that is an excellent question, uh, because a class spec isn't just meant to categorize. It's also supposed to understand how someone grows or fails to grow or could have grown over the course of their journey. Somebody, like, uh, there are questions in the chat that are vaguely around the uh, the uh, theme of, like, what happens if it doesn't work? And we have had places where we weren't really able to give a good, solid class spec, but I think also characters can the thing about class spec analysis is characters can achieve the path that's set out for them by their class spec or they can fail to achieve it and there are indicators that they have failed that they have been like absorbed or consumed by their aspect or some other end end fate of a class and we do kind of base some of our analysis on optimistic dualist stuff as well as uh esther zero pacifica who had a panel earlier this morning mm -hmm. uh homesick has such a unique set of meta structures and symbolism in place uh that laying it over things always gives us something new read the original symbolism and it helps us get a better handle on what we think a character is like based on the text um this actually goes back to what you were just saying um what i was thinking is like that's where class comes in right we all love mm. aspect right and it's kind of this it's largely a defining role of the symbolism around a character. Uh, blood characters talk a lot. They are involved with relationships and tradition, right? There are these thematic things that the aspect of blood gives us. But the class of a character changes how that character interacts with those themes and what parts of that aspect that are highlighted. Uh, and so that's one of the reasons that the dual system of class and aspect is so applicable to so much media because if we come to a character who looks a lot like Carcat in another piece of media, then we can we might be able to assume blood. But otherwise, depending on how they act, how they interact with things like relationships and tradition and the social world that we associate with blood, that can change how we see the character and what themes we think of with them. Yeah, also somebody asked about Lunar Sway. We do try to take Lunar Sway into account, and we do disagree on that, because yeah. that's always an interesting we, uh, dis discussion. We had a, a Prospect Night of Blood recently in an episode, which was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, Classpecting some of the more minor characters in a work also gives us a new chance to appreciate them. Homestuck's character archetypes are really interesting to try to spot in other places, and that doesn't... That isn't limited to just trying to find the Vriska in a piece of work. That's also like, we found a car cat. We found a Doc Scratch. We've... I don't think we found a mayor yet, but I think it, that would mm -hmm. be interesting. Da Davenport from the Adventure Zone may count as a it's mayor. A bit of a mayor yeah. uh, particularly in the sense that Davenport got woobified by the narrative in the same way the WV gets like completely treated as a child by the uh, characters by the end. Hmm. Yeah. That one was just off the dome, fellas, <laughs> but that one was just interesting. Yeah, but that goes to show it's 
kind of like a personal challenge to find characters that either fit into into the same character archetypes of Homestuck that Homestuck has created or that shake up how we view the characters those archetypes have come from, Riska being a prime example. Uh, it gives us an excuse to revisit media we've enjoyed, stuff like Spider-Verse and the Umbrella Academy and the Adventure Zone, uh, and to check out some things other people have recommended to us as being similar to Homestuck or that might play well with a hush and reading. Some upcoming stuff. Someone recommended we do an episode on Greek mythology, which is going to be wild. Yeah, they just suggested <laughs> Greek mythology. Like, so just we have generally. To, yeah, we have to try to figure out what that's going to mean, but that's going to be interesting, it's trying to so tie wild. the aspects to, like, the way... Like, t trying to tie it back to one of the original ways of conceiving structures. Mm -hmm. Um... So what fun have we had with this so far since we're on the topic of like different ways that we've yes. used this angle of analysis? Um, so, so far, uh, as of the time of this panel, there have been two occasions and only two occasions where we have agreed on a character's class spec with no argument. And in both cases, and I love this, both of the characters were pages of rage. <laughs> uh, we both like they were both mascot characters that we kind of um that we that we both were like yeah this this fits perfectly mm -hmm. like a ultimate a potential with plot fuckery yeah because they're they're comic relief characters most often they're they're the small mascot character and as such they follow more cartoon logic than their the other characters involved, even if it's a cartoon, which is a very ragey thing. And so they both just kind of fit this thing. And I think we're going to discover more pages of rage as we go. Sophie, you are correct. It was Olaf. Yep, he was one our the, first. One of them was Olaf. Uh, who was the second? I forget. Uh, Peter Porker. That's right. Yes. <laughs> My, I was thinking Minetta from Hiroaka, but no. Who? I can't remember. Never mind. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, the easiest and most fun we've had in putting a plot together, uh, I think w it was a tie between the Spider-Verse episode and the Adventure Zone Balance episode. Both of those pieces of media just happened to really easily slot into the idea of a suburb session once we, like, made it, once we had a couple of, like, conceptual ideas. Yeah. Um, a small side story. Bucky has been an update reader for Homestuck for years, and I'm an archival reader. I started reading October of last year. so Because of me. Because of you. You were the one who finally convinced me. <laughs> but I had been an Adventure Zone fan for a couple years before that. And so I had kept hearing people talk about, like, oh, the Adventure Zone is so Homestuck. It's so much like Homestuck. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> uh, and, and meanwhile, I'm listening to the Adventure Zone going, what do you mean Griffin hasn't listened to Homestuck? Yeah, no, the, the exchange I, I'm talking about <laughs> is literally right, like, Homestuck. after I finished Homestuck, I was like, oh my god, how is it possible that Griffin McElroy has not read Homestuck? Because it just, like, it slots in so much. And our part two episode on that was incredible. Which is, airs two weeks from now, I think. Yeah. Uh, then, of course... <laughs> There is our most controversial take by far, which is that Olaf is the Vriska of Frozen. Uh, this was and still is mostly a joke, but for my money, it was also hugely enlightening for me in terms of what I look for in a Vriska. Uh, importantly, it ended up highlighting a lot of similarities between Vriska and Gamzee, and it made me look at both characters in ways that I hadn't before. 
The fact that it's a fun meme and also gives us an opportunity to take a deeper look at these characters and what the meaning we draw from them is, it, I think it's a really good example of the utility of the format that we've kind of stumbled into. <laughs> Hang on, we no. need to pause for chat for yes. a moment because you so just dropped a bomb people, on chat. People are like, he's he's the Gamzee, what are you saying? And here's the thing, you're right, he's both. And so that's what's so enlightening. There's so few characters in Frozen that he ends up occupying both controversial, attention-grabbing character and plot-breaking, fourth-wall-smashing, uh, rage-inducing character. Yeah. Um, I won't go into Frozen 2 here because we said no spoilers, but, like... Well, we said, it, we said spoilers for Frozen 1. We've only yeah. done an episode on Frozen 1, and I hadn't seen Frozen 2 when we yeah. did Frozen 1. Uh... But no, but that's the thing. Like, go listen to the episode. Um, there are, I think there are links to our SoundCloud and stuff that should be posted uh, around. Janaya but... posted our card earlier. It's mm -hmm. also at the bottom of the screen. Um, but uh, we, all of the all of the pieces of media that are up on the screen, we've done two. We've done one or two episodes for, and yeah. not just us. And we'll get to that. Yeah. Um. um to just listen to the Frozen moving. episode. We have more thoughts on the Olaf thing there that yeah. we won't get into here. Also, regarding Finding Vriskas, we have tried started trying to seek out media with more turbulent and contentious women since we keep looking at media and then going, huh, who's the most controversial character in this piece of media? Oh, it's a dude. Great. Uh, that's not always something we can reasonably avoid, like with our recent Taz Balance episode. It wouldn't have made sense with Lube's characterization to give her the title of Vriska, but it kind of made sense to give it to who we did give it to, even though he's a guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you can probably guess if you know the balance art. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the Cats episode. Uh, what can we say about the Cats episode? No, fuck, really. What can we say about the Cats episode? <laughs> it was an, a nigh-incomprehensible riot. I loved every minute of it. Um, for one, it's amazing to see people take this format uh, and use it for their own dark purposes. Uh, but it's also the funniest episode anyone has released so far, in my opinion. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, it was, and we'll get into it a little bit later down the line, but it was the first episode posted to our RSS feed that was not hosted by either Bucky or myself. Um, it was hosted by a number of people in our Discord, a link to which is in our card. Um, but yeah, it was... I understood maybe a third of what happened in that episode, <laughs> but I was cackling the entire time. Uh... Also, uh, one of my favorite parts was the Vanya and White Violin Masterclass discussion from the Umbrella Academy. We got into a contentious argument about that because we both had pretty solid opinions about what Vanya and the White Violin should be. But uh, we we came to a pretty good conclusion because I had a really cool idea. Um, you did. You did. <laughs> and because the Vanya and the White Violin are a really cool character dynamic. Also, uh, we made that episode, and then it turned out that the second season is coming in, like, six days? Yeah. So it's hype. Uh, <laughs> um, but for the person who asked about uh, Masterclass uh, class specting, um, that was the first episode we really actually used cl uh, Masterclasses. We touched on it in mm -hmm. Spider-Verse, but, like, we do we dove into, like, what it would be to focus on mas a Masterclass mm -hmm. character or two. And, and that kind of duality. Um, and what we ended up doing was we class-spected Vanya and the White Violin as two different characters, like a cherub, and they were the Masterclasses of a session. Um, there's more to it than that, because we kind of go wild in our Part 2 episode, but, uh, yeah, we talked about, like... 
when masterclasses pop up, what they do, and that kind of dual nature that comes with them, which is awesome. Um, and my final favorite episode or er, uh, episode moment was coming to the conclusion that Natasha Romanoff from the MCU is the Vriska of the MCU overall, but not of Captain America the Winter Soldier. Uh, that was a good opportunity for one to take the piss on the Russo brothers because I don't like the Russo brothers. Uh, but it was also a really good case study showing with what we touched on a little earlier, which is that Vriska plays a role in Homestuck that's often restricted to big muscly men in other kinds of media, which is a ph phenomenon worth questioning and subverting of like why these contentious characters can't be women. Uh, and and also, uh, just real fast, just real quick, God. I need I need to I don't need to dunk on my dear <sighs> wonderful co-host. Uh, despite the fact that we are both Scorpios, <laughs> we Clever has been diagnosed with Dirk and may not escape from either me or one of our other uh, uh, Discord friend co-hosts. Sin, I I can I contend that I'm Rose still, but you know what? Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, bud. Shut up. <laughs> Um, um, also, to confuse Traveler, yes, we do talk about whether those sessions are null, mm -hmm. void, successful, etc., whether or not they, they complete their session. Yeah, our Name of the Wind episode uh, ended up being a, a void session, I believe. Yeah, I think we've had a couple who just weren't... Or, like, mm -hmm. the My Hero Academia session, we were like, well, we did season one, but, like, there's a lot more shows, so we'll, yeah. we'll figure out what their session's actually gonna do later. Mm-hmm. Um, it very much varies. There are some episodes where we've had time to go into a lot of detail about sprites and lands and all the different game constructs in a session, but there are others where we don't have time or it's not relevant and <laughs> we don't get like, into it. Hey, what if we did 14 characters and then didn't... We're not going to do lands for all of those because we've released two, like, two-hour episodes, and I don't know if we want, how often we want to do that. Yeah, they can get pretty long if we go into that much detail, but... Usually there's a good chance that we will approach some number of the in-game constructs as things to explore in a given session episode. Let's, uh, we're kind of like looking at chat as we're talking, so yeah. let's go to um, the next section, which is... Uh, diagnosing the Vriska. So we actually have an upcoming piece for the Press Play Audio Zine, which is coming out on August 12th and will be posted to the at ZineStuck Twitter account that's specifically about diagnosing Avriska. So we're not going to go into too much detail, but this is kind of a major part of the part one episodes of our podcast. So we're going to do a quick rundown of our Vrisk characteristics. Yeah, of our major Vrisk characteristics. Vriskanosis. Very much like roguelikes have major and minor <laughs> criteria, Vriskas also have major and minor. Sorry, uh, chat says comedians and even here <laughs> these are the ones that we've covered so far yeah uh there is one more uh or there's a couple more but this was symmetrical yeah this was these are the ones we're uh, gonna talk about so characteristic number one they are a dirty nasty girl number two they try very hard to do what they believe is the right thing number three uh they do not always do good things in the pursuit of what they believe is the right thing number four they have a strong desire to be in the spotlight Number five, they are often influenced and groomed by a creepy and manipulative older adult. Number six, they often comp on some boy. Including Bakugo. Fight me. <laughs> uh, 
It's a shonen anime. <laughs> Seven. Uh, they have a turbulent, emotional, close, and fraught relationship with their best friend, who they almost definitely have a crush on. This person does not ever stop believing in or rooting for the Vriska, even if it's in secret. Again, Deku and Bakugo is kind of a prime example. Yeah. Number eight, shout out to our, our Discord friend, Sin. Uh, they're kind of stupid. Yeah, Vriskas are dumb bitches. And we love them. Represent. <laughs> uh, and finally, number nine, uh, an explicit fuck you to the idea that women can't be like this, which, <laughs> again, we've touched on before, like, a lot of these contentious characters who have other major Vriska characteristics, uh, they tend to be characteristics we find in men. Uh, Hang on. Somebody <laughs> uh-huh. just asked, does Olaf compet? Yes. Are you gonna explain? Marshmallow. <laughs> Okay. Um, out of the Vriska we've di- Vriskas we've diagnosed, here are just a few of our <coughs> personal favorites, both from that discussion and just because we like them. Uh, the most recent Vriska we've diagnosed at the time of this panel is Taco from the Adventure Zone Balance Arc. He is, in my opinion, unequivocally a Vriska. Like I said in the episode proper, go listen to that, uh, Taco's life in dope is dope, and he does dope shit. And this is because everything is about Taco. Generally speaking, he doesn't give a shit about the people he's saving. He just wants them to adore him, preferably with a stage or screen between them. His low empathy and remarkable ability to shed guilt at the first sign of his own innocence makes him a near one-for-one with a lot of the major risk characteristics. Taco does not compet. He does not. Which is cool. Um, Compet is a very... That one is, it most often happens with the women Vriskas that we have, right? right? we see, like, that doesn't happen with like, men as often, but, Vanya. like, Vanya got, yeah. Yeah, fucking Leonard. Rip, rip to, rip to poor Ellen Page. Yeah. Um, Bakugo is the second Vriska that we diagnose, and I have to say I still stand by that one, too. For me, it has a lot to do with how, in any other story, Bakugo would be the hero, and the opposite of Vriska. Bakugo in this setting is a rival, a contender, and not the hero. And in her story, Vriska is, against all signs, a hero of the game of Spurb in a very real way. Also, I had canon Bakugo as a trans woman for personal reasons. Yeah. And that's just... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's Um, just me. And side note, like... The similarities between Bakugo and Naruto, the prototypical shonen anime protagonist, like, the vowels in his name are the same and in the same order. <laughs> like, he, in any other anime, he is the hero, including yeah. anime that he's inspired by. <laughs> yeah. Um, as mentioned earlier, diagnosing Olaf as the Vriska was a really good opportunity to point out to ourselves as much as our audience Uh, the oft-overlooked parallels between Vriska and Gamzee. They're both characters whose legacy, above all else, is audience contention. They're both characters you can barely bring up in some spaces without starting a flame war, and that's really worth examining. Why does Vriska frustrate us so, and why does Gamzee? Once we've answered that, what reasons do they have in common? What can this tell us about how we see either of them individually, and how can it influence our reading of the comic as a whole, or other stories altogether? That's that's really the spirit of this podcast is like what how do we how do we consider character archetypes and how do we use them to recontextualize mm-hmm. other characters? Yeah, we looked at Frozen, put it in the blender, and as it was blending, Vriska and Gamzee came into it alignment like, like a way they hadn't before. Yeah, it was it was it was intriguing. That was also our first episode. Mm-hmm. Um Vanya is another character we already mentioned, but also one we really enjoy class like we said. She hits a lot of the points we laid out above. 
her relationship with her sister Allison, while not a, not a romantic relationship, is really important for her character development as much as, if not more so, than with Leonard. She has a tipping point after she hurts Allison and then starts doing whatever she can to achieve what she wants, which is mostly attention. Not from the plot specifically, but definitely from people she deems important enough to validate her, i.e. her family, but when they fail her, an audience. She's also a bit of a dark horse powerful character, because for someone like me who did not read the comics beforehand, her rise into power was kind of surprising. <laughs> I just like Vanya as a messy and traumatized and interesting complex female character a lot, and I'm very stoked for season two. Yeah, me too. I've been counting down the days. Uh, so our final section before we uh, take some time for audience questions at the end, uh, stuff about our community, um, the, the people in the community surrounding our show. This is a metaphorical blunder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so we do, yes, our community. Uh, so the first principle, uh, anyone can make an episode of Will and Homestuck. Um, so we, we obviously have a lot of different works lined up to analyze, but we release episodes every other week on purpose to give other people the opportunity to have episodes released. You don't have to host them on our RSS feed, but if you do, you get a cut of our Patreon money for the month. Right now, that's like $75 a month after taxes, so that's not, once we divvy it up, it's not a lot of money. But that's our philosophy, and we're sticking to it. Yeah, in, in the spirit of what we've seen in the Homestuck community and what we want to keep going, uh, it's a way to celebrate things we enjoy and to keep creating as a community. Analysis and fan creation are much more linked than people initially expect. In order to create a good derivative work, you have to understand the original pretty well. And in, like, the act of growing to understand a thing is an act of derivation in, a, in and of itself. And that's really important, and we don't want to have a monopoly on that. Like, we're, like, a lot of people in chat have been asking, what about an episode on X? What about an episode on Y? And we're picking a lot of stuff that we're kind of at least familiar with. Mm -hmm. If not, like, we're taking the time to, like, read and consume these these pieces of media. If there's something you're interested in, and there's, uh, and you you have some class-specting opinions, or you have a couple friends who have class-spect opinions, and you like a piece of media, and you will subject them to this piece of media in order to make a podcast with them because that's a lot of what this podcast is. Please mm -hmm. make episodes. Please uh, let us know about them. Our server is 15 plus, so if you're under 15 and you make an episode, you can add us on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, Kana would suggest waiting until you're 15 to read Homestuck, yeah. personally, but I realize that there's people younger than that who read Homestuck. Um, and one more quick thing. I do want to be clear, like, I, I don't think either of us want to have the tone of, well, make your own episode. Oh, yeah, right? no. We have um, a lot. We, we have a lot on our... It's, it's... I really... Like we said, the Cats episode is one of the best episodes. We mm -hmm. have next week another episode that uh, we didn't host is airing, and we've mm -hmm. had... I think our Harry Potter episode was You and Sin. Mm -hmm. um, like, we... We really enjoy listening to other yeah. people do this because it, it's it's fun to yeah. hear other people's opinions on on stuff we haven't gotten to read or watch yet yeah it is in no way a like well if you don't like what we make go, like go make your own podcast with stripper and blackjack or whatever the fuck the joke is um it's literally like we had this idea and it's a, we are already making a derivative work with Will at Homestuck. It is already a fan project. 
So what right do we have to claim sole ownership of it? Like, we want to encourage folks to make it literally because it would be cool and fun and we want to see what you make. Homestuck as a work itself is committed to following multiple relevant timelines and encompassing many timelines that aren't canon but do exist. And adding to that expanded continuity, both in our in the way we analyze stuff and in the way we approach our the structure of our podcast, seem feels like it's in the spirit of the work as well. At least for me, like being an update reader, that 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 was what was so celebratory about Homestuck is. Everything was canon, and all of that mattered. Mm-hmm. So why not make absolutely absurd leaps in, like, oh, what if this happened and run off in this direction with fanfic, or crazy crossovers, or fandom stuck? Yeah. Like, oh, it's all in the same vein of, like, all of us can do this, so mm-hmm. please please join in the fun if you are interested. I mean, we're following the tradition of fan trolls, basically. Yeah. Of just, like, let's fucking remix this shit in any way we can. I would argue we're following in the tradition of fandom stuck, personally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like the And every time I say that word, there's an image of, uh, <laughs> the, specifically the supernatural, uh, fandom insert with wings that, like, is floating down the screen looking at me and is like, hey, remember me? Hey, do you, do you remember Super Who Locked the Phantom? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Alright, okay, um... In in a similar vein uh, is is our next kind of portion mm-hmm. of of what we do, which is we live stream other people's fan fiction every week. Yeah, so every Monday uh, we have a fan fiction live read on this channel that you're watching this on right now, actually, uh, where we take recommended fan fictions, mostly Homestuck fanfic, but not always, uh, both from people uh, in our uh, server. Again, join that; it's super fun. Uh, but also stuff that we find that we like or stuff that other people recommend us that they didn't write. Uh, but a lot of it is stuff that people in our server have written. Um, and then, like, I mean, that's just really fun, basically. It's it's fun to read these stories. It's a good way to get some reading time in anyway. And it helps highlight cool stuff that people are doing, and that's fun. We also, once a month, have community libraries where a group of people in our Discord server get together to read read fix and we stream them to our channel as well um janaya alt universe wash in our chat is usually the host of those because we like to take a back seat and let other mm-hmm. people do the reading and the and the steering if you will um but those have been those have been super duper fun we are really pleased to um to get to just like see all of these other fix that people are submitting and people have been writing stuff for those streams to some extent mm-hmm. and that's been great um, there, uh, there are also a couple works, uh, that specific works that we want to highlight that have either come out of our community or have, uh, come out of people in our community. Um, the one that I super want to highlight, uh, Janiya Riley, who has a panel on writing asexual and aromantic uh, characters later today, uh, has an incredible, uh, gothic horror narrative podcast called the Alabaster Bible. Um, that I had the honor of being in an episode of, uh, and I'm still, like, I'm never going to get over that. It was so fun. Um, but it's a really good podcast, um, and they started it a little bit after we met them. 
Um, but because, it's kind of because we bullied them into it. We did. I, they, they had been working on it for a while, so I don't want to claim like yeah. we we got them to do it. But like no, but but it happened. Like we saw it in our server first, and it was really incredible. It's amazing watching it grow, and it's just very good, and I love it a lot. Creative fever, baby. Hell yeah. Um, I also Janaya started streaming her own fanfics on Sundays mm -hmm. because she is a prolific writer and has a, a wide library of stuff to read. And uh, has been highlighting her own works there on her Twitch, uh, which I I would like to see more people stream fan fiction or their like or their friends fan fiction mm -hmm. or, or or their own or just stuff they like and their yeah. own yeah because like it um like it's just fun mm -hmm. and it, it helps people discover fan fiction yeah and then it's accessible to other people and we can work on archiving and and uh, celebrating the stuff mm -hmm. that we like we I've found a lot of good fan fictions from those streams based on what other people have recommended. Like, I'd never read the Vienna game before, and I'm loving it so far. Uh, Fleece's Ladystock fic yes. we read, and that was a really great way to highlight that, because her uh, Jade Feff, mm -hmm. uh, like, magical California wilderness yeah. fic. Oh, it's really good. Um, oh, another, another fic I want to highlight is Cloudbound by Hosta underscore Podiums on AO3. They started writing their Celestial AU sperm fic. So good. Uh, kind of because of some encouragement from our server and like the, their last update was a little comic that mm -hmm. they drew in the universe. Yeah, it was so sweet. I, like, I... It, if you... Our, our, our server is a lot of like, hey, would you like to have a lot of people mm -hmm. read your stuff and give you feedback on it and celebrate that you're getting to make stuff? Because we're having a lot of fun making stuff. Yeah. Um, the last thing we did, we participated in uh, an R event that RPG E-Girl in the chat organized. Um, it's, uh, she recently, they recently rebranded from D&D E-Girl to RPG E-Girl. Um, but they, after some stuff went down at Wizards of the Coast, yeah. But they um they ran a, a stream for a week in June where we were all fundraising for the Bail Project. Uh, I forget exactly how much money we raised, but it was way more than we expected to. Yeah, it was uh, like five hundred something. Yeah. Um, I streamed reading a reading some of a book and some games, and you streamed like Bastion and Pyre. Yeah, and, uh, I streamed the first two super giant games, Bastion and Transistor, and Bastion that was really Transistor. fun. Yeah, that was also something that we loved participating in, and we want to participate in more community streams like that as well. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So let's, we have... Last thing before audience questions, I yeah. think. We um, have an announcement to make. We do have an announcement. Um, we, I am, uh, we, we had a crazy idea like a week ago, uh, and that we are chugging, maybe it was like two weeks ago, that we're chugging full stream mm -hmm. ahead with now. Uh, we're making a visual novel called New Game Plus. Um, I am directing this project. Clever is writing for it. We have mm -hmm. a couple of other writers and artists already kind of... Inclu um, including our good friend Janaya. Including our good friend Janaya. Um, we are opening up applications for this project. It is a visual novel project taking advantage of the new society that is being uh, constructed at the end of the at the end of Homestuck. It's saying, all right. I, I personally love speculative fiction about utopias. It's like, hey, there's one of my favorite novels is called Walk Away by uh, Cory Doctorow. Yes, it is sitting a, right here. A copy right here. Um, I, it's a hardcover copy. I love that novel. About a bunch of people who say, hey, society sucks. What if we walk off into the middle of society in the middle of a, in the middle of a Canadian wilderness and we just build a new, a new one? And we have a whole planet at the end of Homestuck that we can do mm -hmm. something with. So why... 
Why is Earthsea still a democracy 5,000 years in the future? Why a is representative it a, democracy. Yeah, yeah, why isn't it an anarcho-communist utopia? What if it was? I would like to write that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it does say New Game Plus Plus, but it's just New Game Plus. I still haven't figured out how we're stylizing it. Um, uh, <laughs> we have people in the chat asking uh, where and how they can sign up. I think you know more about that. Than uh, yes. Uh, so the Twitter handle, the bottom of the screen, HS New Game Plus. There should have been a scheduled tweet that went out 43 minutes ago uh, that should be, I think, the only one of two tweets on that account that has a link to our info doc and oh and Janaya put it in chat as a link to oh, our nice. info doc and it has a link to the sign up mm-hmm. um East, this is a this is a long-term project signups are going to be open until october or mm-hmm. until we fill up all the positions and we're planning to release probably next may or june this is hopefully going to be a sizable project but basically uh we're looking for we're looking to highlight like like uh, a diverse team and have mm-hmm. more queer creators and creators of color highlighted in this project. We're going to try to commission artists if we can. A um, lot of the focus so far has been uh, number one, each... Uh, there's a minor spoilers for some of the structure. Each route kind of tackles specific social issues and how uh, certain things like infrastructure and psychology and stuff might be handled in a more anarchist society because what, it's utopian fiction. Right. What do um, people do for entertainment? What yeah. happened to sports? Um, How? Because um, that that was an interesting question that that was posed on a podcast I, I listened to a mm-hmm. while back. What happens to sports under communism? Yeah. And or like what happened? How is art disseminated? Mm-hmm. What What does transportation look like? How do we handle security? Yeah. Uh, so. Each route will tackle some of that, and one of our goals is to get writers on each of those routes who have experience with some of the issues in each route. Uh, So if you're writing, for example, the Dirk route, we're looking for uh, MLM writers, right? Or uh, for if we have a trans femme character, then we want a trans femme writer. We have, basically, we want people to be able to write from their experiences and not to have people actually write as a as a part of a marginalized community that they're a part of as opposed to a bunch of people trying to write for communities we're not a part of um, cuz that tends to lead to better stories yeah um so again uh at twitter hs new game plus uh, the info mm-hmm. will be there we uh, i think we've we've promoted it on our twitter before yeah. as well but uh we'll you can also go to hsnewgameplus.tumblr.com if that's more your speed. We, um, I, I have recently made sure that we have Tumblr and Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that was that was it for a little announcement. Now uh, I think we have we have about fifteen minutes left to do yeah. questions. Audience questions, yes. So I I saved one, which I think we already went over, which is how do you address characters that change over time? Um, we, but I did want to loop back to that because uh, we are. We may revisit some of the pieces of media we've done. Uh, like, we may go do the second Patrick Rothfuss book. I don't know if we're going to, because as we said in our episode about it, it was depressingly heterosexual. Yeah. Um, the first book is better than the second. Yeah, good, good, decent writing. Uh, when we listened to Taz over again for our Taz episode, I realized how many Name of the Wind jokes are yeah, in Taz. Yeah, there are a lot. Um, um, so my cl- answer to that question, actually, would be that... Assuming we are looking at the entire story of a piece of media, for like if it's a movie and it's a standalone movie, we see the character's entire arc, uh, then that character's change, how they change, and what circumstances cause them to change 
is for me part of what informs my classpect analysis. So if a character changes by, let's say, learning to stand up for themselves and love their their place in the spotlight, that might inform a light aspect. Or if they if their arc is about uh, taking initiative and moving through the plot and acting as opposed to reacting. They're that, at least an active class. They're an active class. That might involve breath or time, right? Or um, uh, characters who, they if they take actions that are active, that are mm-hmm. striving to be to, for the benefit of themselves, and then they are punished by the narrative for it, we know that they are probably a passive character mm-hmm. who does not work well when they are acting in their own self-interest. They act better when they are supporting other people. Yeah. Uh, and quick, because I... Oh my god, we're almost at 100 viewers. Uh, we, were, we were at 106 for a while. We, we lost a few for um, questions. For a couple... Um, just for quick reference, one of our major uh, sources for our class back analysis is Optimistic Duelist. Um, so that's where we get our a- active-passive model. Um, uh, yeah, we reference uh, we reference Taz's diagram that he yeah. made. Um, I've also read and reread Esther Zero Pacifica's uh, classbect essay or a threat made on Twitter. Uh-huh. Uh, very realized good or something like that. That's very good. Um, questions. We honestly center our analysis on Homestuck proper because it is a completed work that we can look at. Like, mm-hmm. I used to be really into Blade Kind Eyewear, but one of the um, failings of Blade Kind Eyewear was that they were doing their analysis before Homestuck finished. Now Homestuck is finished, and we can kind of look at it as an overall. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I don't know if we would want to talk about what class or aspects we want to see more of in Homestuck 2 or the, for the new characters, because like they don't have completed arcs yet that we yeah. can look at. Um, two things. One real quick, Atlas John. Uh, I don't know in what media you're specific, specifically asking about, but Bucky and I are both autistic, if that helps. So there's that. Um, and Musing Worlds, what about class inversion? Uh, example, Rose, uh, Light to Void in Grimdark. I love class spec inversion so much. Like, I think inversion plays a part in almost every traditionally written character's arc, because most character arcs go from... There's that question of what question... Or what lie does the character believe? Uh, mm. Which is that like famous like screenwriting quote. And I think inversion is where most characters start at at the beginning of their stories. Right, like uh, like Carcat starts out. I don't think Carcat's a good example, but yeah, characters have to grow. They have to start from a place where they are not in their aspect, and then. Uh, grow to a place where they they have it or interact with it or become it in some way. Yeah. A good example being our analysis of Lucretia from our Taz episode. Again, listen to that. We go into more into depth there. Uh, let's see what else. Crip it and rip it, baby. Uh, Char- I think we did have a character worthy of the waste class. Uh, yeah, it was Reginald Hargreaves. It was. He was a waste of time, wasn't Or waste of mind is what we gave him. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because um, he fucking sucks. Fandom created aspects and classes. I was really into those in high school. I, when I was making my self-insert fan venture mm-hmm. with my high school friends, um, we uh, we had a couple of fan classes mm-hmm. Um, I th- we haven't included them in our analyses thus far because there's not as much literature on them, I would say. I think yeah. often it comes to, like, we try to, we try to approach this at somewhat academically. And, mm-hmm. like, there, a lot of this is based on, like, quote-unquote popular mm-hmm. uh, um, analyses, but also kind of what people have a consensus of, what we know is established in the story and how yeah. we can extrapolate from there. Because, like, even if we take... 
let's take the doom aspect, for example. You and I might have very different readings of what doom is and how we read a character as doom-bound, but we do know Doom is a canon aspect in the text of Homestuck. And we know Doom has some canon associations mm -hmm. for symbolism and theming. Yeah, so like, I would definitely not be against fan-created uh, classes and aspects and stuff, uh, but I personally, my standard for that would be there would need to be some kind of fan and consensus. Yeah. Uh, it would need to be one that people kind of have a general communal idea on that's fairly consistent. Kind of like the waste, like the waste in the Venn diagram of canon and fanon is sitting in the yeah, overlap. Yeah. Um, how do we define classes that aren't elaborated on much in canon, uh, like the mage? Uh, optimistic duelist is optimistic the short duelist. answer. Um, I do a little bit of my own reading. Um, I I don't remember where I got this because I know it wasn't my idea. But for the mage class specifically, my starter point for finding a mage is that they are. They gather knowledge, but they don't share it. Um, and that's oh. the difference between seers and mages. You know what would be, if anybody has listened to Friends at the Table, this is going to be a deep cut. Um, mm -hmm. if, if the uh, Samothes. Samothes is the god of knowledge, but not of sharing it. Yeah. That is a pretty good way of summing up the mage class. Yeah, um, but there was someone who specifically talked about that in reference to the mage class. Mm. And I really like that because I think back to Solix. And I think about how he knows a lot of what's happening, but he knows it in a way so that he knows how to best to live his life, right? He know either he knows that the information he has won't change what people are destined to do, or he doesn't particularly give a shit. And so mages, for me, are people who seek knowledge, but they're not keen on sharing it, which... In turn, and this is part of why I love class analysis, informs the seer. Because if the mage keeps the knowledge for themselves as an active class, then sharing knowledge might be a key flag for spotting a seer. Mm -hmm. And that would be the difference between how, again, if somebody is seeking knowledge for themselves and it blows up in their face and they only benefit when they share it, mm -hmm. then we can see that they are trying to act as the active mage but might be a seer. Yeah, which, that's inversion. There you go. Yeah. Um, let's do a couple real quick ones. Have we found any Doc Scratchers in media? Yes, Umbrella One. Academy episode. Yes, listen to our Umbrella Academy episode. We had a lot of fun with it. Both parts of the episode. Um, are we reading Vast Error? I started it and got caught up, like, last year... Uh, I haven't reattempted it since just because, like, I, I've been trying to read more fan ventures. I'm plowing through a whole bunch. Yeah, I started it, I got to the point where the Bronze Blood dude gets into the game, and then I stopped. Yeah, um, passive active class de designations. I think they are useful for discussing the differences between classes, mm -hmm. but... Between class pairs. Between class pairs, right, mm -hmm. but it mostly serves as, like, it's, it's... It's a narrative function. Yeah. A good example of where I don't look at active-passive very much is with witch versus heir. Uh, both witches and heirs can very much work for their own or for the party's benefit. Uh, there are other aspects that I look at that separate those two for me, more than passive and active. Um... What are Guide, our class specs? Sorry. Uh, also, Guidestuck. I read Guidestuck when it was updating years and years ago. I know it's getting a revival soon. Mm -hmm. I'm stoked for that. Have we found any Jakes? Jake comes up in our discussions of Hope players a lot because, like, we talk about Jake and Aridin. End of pages. End of pages. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we found any Jakes explicitly. 
what are our class specs? Uh, Witch of Hope. And Witch of Doom, actually. I fucking love the Doom class. <laughs> uh, I would like to get... I, well, yeah... Uh, yeah, we're it's a ten fifty five, and um, I think yeah. we're pa the next panels are gonna start start um, start soon. So we'll we'll hang on for a little bit longer and answer some more questions. But um, it's thank you for coming to our panel. Thank yeah. you for for following us. I thank you for listening. Uh, our card is at the bottom of the screen if you want to check out our podcast mm -hmm. or um, and we will be streaming in two days on this channel some more fan fiction mm -hmm. so uh, hit us up on Twitter to give us some fanfic suggestions yeah uh Check out our other episodes. A lot of what we talk about here gets more time and more nuance in the episodes we actually make, so check those out. Um, and if you would like, apply for New Game Plus. It's going to be really cool. Also, yes, this panel and all of our streams are archived both on Twitch and on our YouTube channel, which is in our card. Uh, I think that's about all we got. Yeah. Um, it's been... We got over... About ten times what I expected we'd get in terms of viewers, which is kind of wild. Thoughts on gender-exclusive classes. What's gender? Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. We never take I, that into consideration. I have diagnosed many male sylphs. Yeah. Ma many dude sylphs. We've given female princes. We've given uh, mm -hmm. knights, bards. Gender's fake. Yeah. Where's our YouTube? Uh, it's in our card. Uh, we are Will at Homestuck on YouTube. Yeah, we are Will at Homestuck on basically every platform uh, that we are on. Um, oh, uh, our individual Twitters. We yeah. want to rep those before um, we leave. I'm at ThinglikerBucky. And I am at Vriscatarianism. Uh by the way, I am looking for someone to give that URL to who I trust because I do want to change it, but <laughs> for now. Um, but yeah, that's all we got. Check out our episodes, join our Discord, it's super fun, recommend your fan fictions, and we will read them out loud. Yeah, um, thank you again to Sakon for hosting us. This yeah, this has, has been, been this incredible has been... so far. This is the second Sakon I've been to, but the first one I've gotten to host a panel mm -hmm. on, and it's been really cool. Yeah, it's you, been really fun. You got into Homestuck after the first Sakon. Yeah, I got into Homestuck like less than six months ago. Or no, about six months ago. Anyway, see you guys. It's been great. Yeah, alright. Catch you guys later.